Showcase Sundays today on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Do you dare to go down into the cellar? The Cellar, starring the Narada Radio Company, and hosted by Cadavera Quivery. you have mustered up the courage to return to my beautiful cellar. How do you like the place? I've made some improvements since the last time you were here. I particularly like my new lie-in freezer. (laughs) My friend Boris, the vampire, got stuck in there a few nights ago, poor fellow, and all of his victims ended up with frostbite. It's all stainless steel, too, which comes in handy. Just hose it down, and all the blood washes away. (laughs) Over there, you can see I've had new cupboards put in, and all the shelves are already full. What are those packages? Oh, they're my favorite snack. Ghoul Scout cookies. (laughs) Well... You're just in time, because I was preparing to open my big book of creepy tales and choose something beautifully gruesome. Tonight, we are meeting a woman who was, at the time of this story, the most successful and infamous defense attorney in the city. Accused of murder? Is your defense indefensible? Our woman can get you off. For the right price, of course. (laughs) Unfortunately, we'll be meeting her after something unfortunate has happened to her. Her name is Joanna Sanders, and she's cold. Very cold. Let's look in on her now.
Why can't I move? Why can't I sit up? Calm yourself, Sanders. You'll figure things out. You always do. You just woke up. You're probably just numb from sleep. Yeah, that, that's good. That, that's probably right. Just, just a few more moments. I'll, all my muscles will be fully awake. And I'll be able to rise. Good. Now... No? That's strange. I, I still can't move. Huh. What the hell is going on here? What if... What is that thing on the ceiling? Stain of some sort? I, isn't there anything else to look at? Huh. I can't say because I... Because I can't move my head either. Nor can I shut my eyes. God damn it, what's wrong with me? Am I paralyzed? What the hell has happened to me? Figure it out, Sanders. Figure it out. What's the last thing you remember? The trial. The Costello murder trial. I was in the courtroom. The defendant at my side. We were waiting for the jury to return, and I could hear the reporters in the gallery talking about me, making no effort to hide it from me or anybody. Hey, jury's coming back in a minute. Look at her. <laughs> she don't give a damn. She knows damn well what the verdict's gonna be. She don't care. She's been paid. Quiet, please. The jury's returning now. All rise. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? Yes, Your Honor, we have. You may hand it to the clerk. Defendant will rise. Poor woman of the jury, what say you? <clears throat> we the jury being duly impaneled and sworn in the case of the state versus Padulo, do find the defendant, Louis Padulo, not guilty of murder as charged in the indictment. The jury is dismissed without my thanks. Well, better luck next time, Roberts. Sanders, I want to tell you that in all 
my years as a district attorney, I've never seen such palpably manufactured evidence and so many paid perjurers in one case. It's so nice to know that your experience has been broadened. Sanders, you are a disgrace to the bar. At least I'm not a sore loser. Why, you no good be. <sighs> Let me tell you something, Sanders. There will be one murderer you won't get off, and that will be your own. Mark my words. Is that a threat, Roberts? No, I'm simply telling you. Someday, somewhere, someone is going to give you your just desserts. And whoever it is, you won't be there to defend him. Eh? Oh! (laughs) You're probably right, Roberts. That's one case I won't win. So long! rather bluntly, that in the conduct of this case, I have not had justice on my side. You may say to the imbeciles who read your rags that any woman may go ahead when she is sure she's right, but it takes a goddamn good lawyer to go ahead when she's sure she's wrong. That's all. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. There will be one murderer you won't get off, and that will be your own. (laughs) Sorry, what was that? Hmm? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Talia. Back to the office? Yes, on to the next... What? Hey, what? Hello, Miss Sanders. It's all right, Talia. Hello, Costello. What can I do for you? I want to show you something, Miss Sanders. Boss, he's got a gun. Let me at him. It's okay, Talia. Now see here, Costello. This is no way for you to behave. I've only done my duty for my client. You say he killed your sister. The jury has just said he didn't. That's that. So put away that toy pistol and shake hands. Hmm? Costello. Costello. I mean, we really went and fired that tiny pistol. 
Sus. I wonder what it did to me. Obviously, I'm paralyzed, so that little bullet must have struck a vital spot to make me so. Well, will I be like this forever? Unable at all to move? Perhaps not. Maybe I'm only temporarily stunned. But I must know the truth. Where, where else could I be right now but a hospital room? So there must be a doctor. Or a nurse close by. I'll call for one at once. What? What now? My lips don't seem to be moving. My tongue is completely immobile. How the hell am I supposed to let anybody know that I've returned to consciousness? Where, where is everybody? This is some hospital. Don't the staff know any better than to ignore a woman so critically injured? Ah, at last, someone's coming. So the doctor says, there's my thermometer. Now where the heck did my pin go? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I heard that was uh, my first day in med school. <laughs> okay, was there anything else we wanted to do? No, I think we're done with her. All right, I'll make the call. Hello. Yes, this is Dr. Asman. We're all through now, and you can come for the body any time. It's in the general receiving room, third from the left. Yes, very good. Either Gowans or I will be here, probably both. I know that voice. That's Dr. Asman. I know her well. How strange. She's the superintendent of the city morgue. Don't you think we should close her eyes? That voice, too. I know it. That's... Gowans, Asmund's young assistant, but... It makes no difference. The undertaker will take care of that when he comes. But rigor mortis might set in by that time. I don't think so. She's been here only two hours. The undertaker will arrive within an hour. That's plenty of time. Maybe. But Sanders worked hard all day. When a woman talks a jury out of burning a rat like Padulo, she uses up a lot of energy. And such innervation would bring on rigor plenty fast. Well, let's have a look at her then. What are they talking about? And who? Me? I'm not in a hospital. I, I must be in the morgue. And these women think I'm dead? I dead? Impossible! I must show them that I'm alive. Anything will do. The, the flutter of an eyelid, the twitching of a finger, anything. Do it, Sanders! Move! Move anything! Concentrate. Form words with your lips. Bend your fingers! But... No. It's as if my body has forgotten how to move. Perhaps farther down. My toes! Can I, can I move them, even slightly? It's not asking too much, is it, to, to wiggle my toes? No, it's not working. No, this doesn't mean I'm dead. I'm not dead. I'm not... See how readily her mouth closes when I do this? Mm. Now look at this. 
See how easily her head moves from side to side. I'll admit she's in pretty good shape right now. But you wait a few minutes. I've seen it happen too often. When a woman's as mentally and physically exhausted as Sanders was when she was killed... Kill Mortis is bound to kill and violent. How stupid can a doctor be? How can I be dead when I can hear what they're saying? How when I saw the sweep of the room when Asmund shifted my head from one side to the other? I'm not dead. I'm not. But when she did that, I was able to see two other bodies on the gurney, so that must mean I am stirred from the left. Yes, oh, but it doesn't God. Out. She'll never have another murderer acquitted. She's fooled her last jury. Uh, the Costello boy killed the only lawyer in town who could get him off. I understand he's hired Billy Williams to defend him. Well, Billy's a bright young woman, but she's no Joanna Sanders. That's true enough. You know, I'd kind of like to see that Costello kid get off. If the newspaper stories are true... He didn't kill Sanders for having Padulo acquitted, but because of the mud she threw at his sister during the trial. Well, that's the game, isn't it? The only way Sanders could get Padulo the slightest chance was to make the jury lose sympathy for the girl. When they found out she was ten times as bad as the man who murdered her, they didn't feel a grudge against him. But was she? Probably not. The Costello kid says all the evidence against her character was trumped up. He worshipped the girl, thought she was an angel. So, he plugged Sanders. And now he'll burn for it. I suppose. Still, if Billy Williams can prove that Sanders' witnesses perjured themselves to ruin the girl's name, no jury in the world would convict the boy. But how's she going to do it? Sanders was no fool. She wasn't the kind to leave loose ends for the grievance committee of the Bar Association to pick up. She played this game a hundred times before. She once told me that a murderer had one foot out of the cell when it could be shown that he was no worse than his victim. Said that was always the first thing she tried to do. There's something in that, I suppose. Take this case now. Do you know what Sanders would do if she was defending Costello? She'd dig up a lot of witnesses that would convince a jury that she, Sanders I mean, deserved killing. She'd show how she'd coached all her witnesses in the Padillo case to lie on the stand. There must be somebody somewhere who could tell the truth, but only Sanders knows where. Well, you can't expect Sanders to get her own murderer off. (laughs) No, that's a little too much even for Sanders. Well, let's get out of here. We've got work to do. What are you doing, Gowans? Just one last thing for Sanders, Asman. There. What? Oh. You closed her eyes. Yes. Sentimentalist. Billy Williams. The Chronicle? No, I'm not talking to the press right now. No, I'll release a statement in the next few days. No, will you stop bothering me? I've got work to do. Williams. The Gazette? 
How do you damn reporters expect me to... No. No, I will not tell you. Ugh. Mr. Costello is in police custody, and that's all I can tell you. No, I'm going to release a statement... What? If you print that, I'll sue you and your paper, you SOB. Williams. I don't care what paper you're from, I'm not... What? What? Who the hell is... Yes. Yes, I'm listening. Oh. My. God. Wait! Asmund! Gowans! Come back! You've got it all wrong! I'm not... I'm not dead! I'm... Oh, what's the use? I'm not actually saying anything, am I? Fool, Sanders, it's about time you admitted it. You're dead. There's no point in holding out hope for a different answer. I can't move. I can't speak. I can only lie here and think. An idea is starting to form in my mind. Perhaps, now that I'm dead, perhaps I'm not truly Joanna Sanders anymore. If I were, I'd, I'd probably be angry with young Costello for shooting me, but... But I'm not. I only feel sorry for him. It's not in Joanna Sanders to feel sorry for anybody. Costello had been a fool. He committed his crime openly in the sight of witnesses. He killed to avenge a wrong, and for that he's going to die. Esmond and Gowans were right about one thing. Despite the innate legal skills of Billy Williams, there is no way she could hope to untangle the maze of perjury that had successfully blasted the reputation of Maria Costello. There's a witness, a key witness, true enough, who could prove this perjury, but nobody knows about her but me. But Sanders, nobody else knows her name or how to find her. <laughs> Place her on the stand and the world would know to what lengths Joanna Sanders was willing to go to save her client. The last shred of sympathy for me, for her, would be gone. But nobody knows where she is except me. What was it Roberts told me in the courtroom? There will there be will one be murderer, murderer you can't, can't get, get off. off. And that, and that will be your, be your own. own. That, that will be your own. What I wouldn't give to be able to do that. To prove Robert's wrong this one last time. But not for my own gain. What does that matter now? No. It would be to help that foolish boy Costello. At this point, my reputation means nothing to me. I would gladly give it up to help him. It would be a very simple thing to do. If I were alive... Ugh. Ugh. But I'm shackled here, shackled by death. Powerless to use the knowledge at my command. If only there was some way to communicate with Billy Williams. If I could at least pass along a few names and addresses, a, a few phone numbers. 
One phone number to her would cause the entire case to unfold of itself and lie snugly in her lap. If only... What? My arm, it moved! The shackles, they're gone! My leg... Oh, what's next? I'm sure you must be mistaken. Dr. Gowans and I have been right beside this phone for the last three quarters of an hour. I assure you that we haven't once touched it, and no one besides ourselves has been in this office. But I tell you, I had the call traced. Whoever called left the receiver off the hook, so the tracing was easy. They told me at the exchange that the call originated here at the city morgue. Impossible, as I said. But after all, was the call so important? I don't know yet. Whoever called gave me a whole list of names, phone numbers, and addresses. I jotted them down just in case. I've just been hired to defend David Costello, you know, and I have a hunch this has something to do with it. You didn't recognize the voice? No. Never heard a voice even remotely like it. It was, well, strange. Hmm. Say, what about that phone in the receiving room? Couldn't be. I've had one eye on that room ever since we left it. Been on the lookout for the undertaker. Is that the only other phone in the place? Yes. What's that sound? Come on. The wall phone. It's off the hook, hanging down to the floor. And look, on the floor, it's Sanders. See? Ha! I told you so. Rigor mortis. I told you it would be premature and violent. See? Sanders jumped clear off the table and almost to the phone. I wonder what... Oh, that's better. Now, Miss Williams, I... Where did she go? I've got to get back to the office and start calling these numbers. It can't be what I'm thinking. But... My, 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 wasn't that simply (laughs) spine-tingling? It reminds me of an argument I had with a werewolf about zombies. He claimed that zombies eat popcorn with their fingers, and I said, don't be silly, zombies eat other people's fingers. (laughs) That was The Defense Rests, our sixth episode of The Cellar. Originally a short story by Julius Long, adapted by Pete Lutz. And I, of course, am your hostly ghost, um, (laughs) your ghostly host, Cadavera Quivery. (laughs) So, 
Until next time, fiends, remember, don't take candy from stranglers. The Cellar is produced and directed by Pete Lutz. The theme was composed and performed by Tom Rory Parsons. Our cast consisted of the following players. Eileen Corpus as Joanna Sanders. Lisa Ayala, Katie Lofton, and Ebony Rose as the reporters. Rachel Rumler as reporter number four. Zoe Jenkins as the bailiff and the bystander. Teddy Giggy as the judge. Marilee Robinson as the forewoman of the jury. Lisa Michaud as District Attorney Roberts, Jessica Matthews as Talia, Leo Longoria as Costello, Michelle Barnett as Dr. Asman, Jackie Ayers as Dr. Cowens, and Victoria Fonsky as Billy Williams. Cadaver Quivery is played by Angela Young. This is Graham Rowett speaking. The Cellar is a 63 audio production mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Join us next time when Cadavera tells a story of the future. And unfortunately, it's not all bright and shiny. Here's a scene from that episode. Access code accepted. Bienvenue, François Renault. Please choose from the following selection. Numéro 1, record post. Numéro 5, trending. You have selected numéro 1, record post. Begin recording as a tone. For this to happen, whatever it was, on our wedding day, Pristi, but what could I do? Oh, we were so close together in the hotel suite. I took her once more into my arms, and as if in a flash, we both drew back away from each other. I was bewildered. I forced myself to reach out to her, to touch her shoulder with one fingertip. <gasps> ah, she jerked away from the contact as if I had burned her. It's called The Theory of Mutual Repulsion. Next time on The Cellar. Music was by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Special sound effects created by Pete Lutz. Other sound effects obtained through the public domain or freesound.org. Sixty three audio. Buongiorno, I am Flaudio, and I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening, an evening for two lovers, lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. 
a sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape. And the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by The Amigos. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.